0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Good morning. morning. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, our Father and our God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this rich privilege to once again gather together in your house. What a joy it is to see another glorious day that you have made. And Lord, we rejoice and are glad in it. Fathers, we come now. We remember those that are going through seasons of sickness. Lord, we pray that through one word, through one touch, you can bring wholeness. We pray for those families that are now grieving the passing of a loved one. Lord, we are grateful That you are the God of all comfort. Father, we remember those that are struggling with different issues and challenges in their lives. Lord, we pray that they not lean into their own understanding, but in all of their ways acknowledge you. And you promised us in your word that you would direct our paths. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of thine heart be acceptable in thine sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And the people of God said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. what a joy, what a delight it is to be alive. See, now you're taking that lightly, aren't you? someone wishes they are exactly where you are. But we thank God for another day that he's given us. And let me also express my appreciation to Faith Fellowship Church for your cards. You have pushed me with your prayers during this season of sickness, and we are trusting the Lord during this journey to do what only he can do. So uh, we're looking for God to show himself amazingly strong. And thank you so much for your continued prayers during this continued journey. I want to invite your attention to a familiar passage of scripture found in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I would like to read in your hearing verses 1 through 7. This is Philippians chapter 4. When you found it, say amen. 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 Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Erodia and I implore Satichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the Gospel with Clement, also the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I I can't stop there. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So ends the reading of God's Word, and I want to use as a preaching subject moving from despair to delight, from despair to delight. Despair knows where all of us live. It, it, it finds us. And one would easily say that over the past 24 months, we've, we've had to deal with uh, some difficult terrain as we've had to negotiate this COVID and a host of other things that have come along with it. And it has put many folks in a place of despair, anguish. Some have felt like giving up, gloom. That's been the narrative for a whole lot of folks. Paul is now writing to some folks who also were feeling discouraged. As a matter of fact, some of them were at a place where they were about to give up on the church Altogether. Some of them felt that they could no longer move forward. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt distress or discouragement like you didn't want to go forward? Yeah, you can be honest, it's okay. I mean, no one's gonna call Shepard Pratt on you. It's- God's people sometimes go through seasons of despair, and and it's okay to own that. And I'm glad he had the foresight to see that this was something that I need to talk about and to address. Uh, Sometimes dealing with God's people can be difficult. See, there you go, acting like you don't know what I'm talking about, you know? Sometimes church folk can be difficult. We think we know everything, we know two verses and we're experts, you can't tell us nothing. You know, we we can be a difficult lot to deal with. But he's saying this is no reason to throw in the towel and to quit and walk away from your faith. He wants to give us some holy and helpful hints that can help us along this journey as we aim to live our lives in Christ. He wanted them to understand a, a few things. First of all, he, he says to them, and he, he makes it very personal. He says, beloved, he, he had a, a heart for the folks that he was dealing with. And he said, you've brought me great joy. I love you, and, and, and I feel joy when I see what you've done and what you're doing. He, he felt a joy for these folks. And, but then he says something interesting. He says, I want you to stand fast in the Lord. That word stand fast simply means remain strong in the Lord. Remember, the context these were folks who were about to give up, to walk away from the faith. John 6:66 says, and many of them turned and walked with him no more. This was a group that was beginning to feel like that, but he's saying, wait before you leave. Remain strong, remain steadfast in the Lord. When I look at the life of Jesus, I can't help but see one who did not waver. And that's really what he's also saying. He said, "Don't waver in your faith." Jesus did not waver in what the Father had assigned him to do. Jesus said, "I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He did not waver on that. He said, I came that I might destroy the works of the devil. He did not waver on that. I've come to rescue a fallen and sinful mankind. He did not waver on that. In spite of all of the shenanigans by the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Herodians, Jesus never wavered in his commitment and what the Father had assigned him to do. And he's telling you and I the same thing today. Regardless of how bad things get, I don't want you to waver in Christ. I want you to stick and stay. It gives the picture of staying on track. Stay on track with him. There's so many distractions, so many things that can get in the way of us standing firm in him. Stand firm in the face of trials. The scripture reminds us that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. Stand firm in your commitment to be part of the body of Christ, to be one who is in regular attendance at the local assembly zoom is wonderful streaming is wonderful but baby you're gonna reach a point in your life where you need to be in the presence of a somebody who can be with you someone who can walk alongside of you it's good to have technology and thank god for it but you need to be among god's people Folks who I can rub up against, folks who I can can help me as I have to shoulder some of the challenges of life. Yes, enjoy all of that, but at the end of the day, you wanna be part of a local church. You want to be part of a local assembly. Stand firm in your commitment to serve him. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What is your ministry? How are you using the gifting that God has given you? Are you sitting down on your promise and potential? He said, I have gifted you that you might be used in the local assembly, in the body. But you choose to do it your way and you just sit, come, be a spectator and go home. Shame on you. <laughs> he saved you to be used for his glory. It's not about you it's about being used in such a way that he might be glorified so here's my challenge to you it's still fresh and new in the year what are you doing to advance the kingdom of God I know it's gonna get uncomfortable and you are gonna say I don't want to hear that man no more yeah I hope your your spirit is troubled until you rest in him you have a purpose He saved you and I for a reason. And I don't care what's going on in your life. Lord, here I am, send me. That's what he's looking for. Stand firm in him. And we can stand firm in him because he is the power base. It is in him. Do you see that? I'm not making it up. It says, stand firm in the Lord. You can't stand firm by yourself. You need the power that comes from him to be able to stand firm, to not get off track, to remain strong. My strength is in him. It's in him that we live, we move, and have our very being. So my job in standing firm is to stay close to Jesus. Okay, let me help you. Um, uh, uh, Hebrew boys wanted to be rabbis. They, they, they could not wait until they began to learn the first five books of the, chap, of the, the Bible and, and almost memorize it and then they would test them to see what child had the greatest talent. And some of them could just roll from their mouth the first five books. They, they were brilliant. And then they would handpick certain boys to accompany the rabbi. They would go everywhere the rabbi would go. When the rabbi would, would be praying, they would pray. As he studied, they would study. As he ate, they would eat. Whatever he did, they would aim to do. They would travel with the rabbi from, from town to town and from hamlet to hamlet. And as the rabbi walked, and his sandals would kick up dust. And at the end of the day, they would be covered by the dust of the rabbi. At the end of the day, You should have been so close to Jesus that you are beginning to (laughs) get the dust of the rabbi off of you because you've been hanging out with him. You've been walking with him. You've been talking with him. And the rabbi's dust has gotten all on you. Let me ask you, do you have any rabbi's dust on you? I'm just messing with you for a little bit, but, but, but do you have some of it? At the end of your day, is it all clean and pristine? You haven't done anything? Or you're able to say, Lord, it was a rough day, wasn't it? Yeah. Your dust is all on me. Stay close to him. Stand firm in him. Um, remember, And sometimes when you stand firm in him, you have to learn to encourage yourself. Remember David and Ziklag? Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 30, they fell up fighting the Amalekites and they come back and wife and kids, gone. They got so upset with David, now he's the one who kind of rescued these jokers to begin with. And now they're going to turn on him and say, you know, if you was a better leader, you wouldn't have left them unattended to begin with. So now they're mad at him. And the Bible said they cried so hard that they could cry no more. And then they thought about stoning David. And David said, listen, I had to encourage myself in the Lord. And every now and then you have to be so close to him that you begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. Not yourself. Because you can't do it. You got to have more to it than that. And, and I love it because David said, you know, the reason you need to stand firm in him is because you're going to face some contrary winds. There's going to be some contrary winds, some hostile winds, some difficulty that you and I are going to face simply because we decided to follow Jesus. Um, and, and I love the way that, that, that he kind of sets this up because he's gonna begin to introduce us to some contrary winds. He talks about how two women were not getting along in the church. And it was begin to, beginning to infect the whole body. I love the way he just, he, first he says stand firm, and now he's beginning to tell you why you need to stand firm. He said because the two sisters they're not getting along. He said, I've worked with them. I know their promise and potential, but it looks like they've lost their way. He said, I want you to help them get back on track. Conflict is going to it's gonna come. It's, it's going it's it's to show up. And what he did, does is, is kind of move this thing from the conflict to now a Resolution. Not getting along, he says, y'all, help them straight up, straighten out whatever difference they're wrestling with. Help them. And let me say this. You need some folk in the body of Christ who can help you straighten up mess when it's mess. See, come on now. We come with all kind of personalities and attitudes and angst and, and then we got to deal with each other. And sometimes it doesn't go well. Cause listen, all of us got some mess with us. All right, see, y'all acting like yelling. I know, maybe try to. All of us got some some stuff with us. We can look a little messy, a little smelly. You know? Hmm. Mm. And then we gotta be beside each other. And he's saying, help them get it right. Help them out. Clement. De- So, so he says, help them get it together. And then he says, move from that to rejoicing in the Lord. Isn't that interesting? He said, keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is that we keep our gaze and our eyes. On Jesus. He said, He said, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, in scripture, when you mention something twice in one verse, He's really trying to make it clear that He does not want us to miss the point. Be glad in the Lord. Listen, be glad. Listen, don't don't be glad in your salary. It's nice, but it it, it ain't all of that. You can lose your job. Uh, It's not about your house, your zip code. Enjoy your creature comforts. But I want to make sure that I rejoice in the Lord. Well, well, preacher, help me understand. Why should I rejoice in the Lord? Well, because Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. We can rejoice in the Lord because the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We can rejoice in the Lord because we're heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We can rejoice in him because Romans tells us there is nothing that can separate us from his love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor depth, nor height, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's how we can rejoice in him. Rejoice in him. (sighs) I want to reach a point where I've learned to just rejoice. Regardless of what's going on, regardless of the condition of your body, regardless of what the doctors say, regardless of what your employers say, I want to rejoice in him. He's saying it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. And that's some grown-up church folk. Because, see, a lot of times we, we... we wear our emotions on our shirt sleeve, but he's saying, your praise, your rejoicing should not be predicated upon what's going on in your life. It must be based solely upon who he is, what he's doing for you, in you, and through you. Um, well, how do you rejoice? Isn't it interesting that he did not say in the text How? <laughs> Uh, which means that there are multiple ways in which you can rejoice in Him. One way, and, and I'll just talk a couple. One way is when we come on Sunday morning. See, see, I'm learning to to rejoice in Him is kind of learned. You you just don't wake up one morning and say, "We, well, think I'll rejoice in the Lord." No, you've got to learn, cultivate that. All right, let me help you out because see, I, I didn't know. I used to be afraid when people were gonna say when I stand up and wave my hands and. Uh, you know, like somebody, oh, here you go again. But see, you don't know there is a purpose behind my praise and rejoicing. See, if you knew my story, you might would rejoice with me. See, there's, there's a reason behind it. I used to think that being stayed, cool, calm, and collective was the way to go. I mean, men don't do that. Men don't act like that, but you better sit down. But see, when the Lord has brought you through, and he has brought you up and out of, you could care less what anybody says. You're going to rejoice in the Lord if it's all by yourself. Yes, you well, listen, you have a case that I can't help it. I can't help but thank God. Amen. Because when you think grace is when things could have been the other way, and, and that's when you think about what it could have been and what it's not, you got to reach in a point in your life where you begin to thank God for things in your life that don't need healing. Come on now, I mean, listen. Your kids have since this week, thank you. My husband, my wife, acting like they, thank you. My neighbor, my job is holding up. My family's holding up. My health is holding up. My family circle has not been broken. Begin to thank God for situations and things in your life that don't need healing. See, there's reason to rejoice in Him. Habakkuk, oh my gosh, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, 18, he talks about though the fig tree may not blossom, no fruit be on the vines, though the labor, of olive oil may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And you just have to reach a place where you have yet praise, that regardless of what's going on, I'm just going to praise him for who he is and what he's doing in my life and my situation. Let me move. Um, so just just learn to start rejoicing in him Um, one of the ways in which I I learned how to rejoice in the Lord was was church because I would see people do stuff that I didn't understand no really I mean they they start running and nobody was chasing them and, and start hollering and nobody was bothering them you know, and, and, and then, you know, at first it would seem kind of funny and cute. You know, as kids, we ain't know no better. But I tell you what, as years start piling on top of each other and you start catching some hell in your life, you say, oh, I get it now. I know exactly why they were running and nobody was chasing them and why they was crying and nobody was bothering them because it was nothing but the goodness of the Lord has caused them to behave like that, to rejoice. So listen, you can take your seatbelt off. Uh, you can feel comfortable, no one's going to bother you if you start—well, rip- I know you're not going to do that here, but I'm just saying, if, if for some reason you want to praise him, that's okay. And listen, let me say this, it's not about guilt tripping nobody into—I'm no, well beyond that now. I mean, if you want to praise him, you're going to praise him. It ain't got nothing to do with Nick's say. It's all on what he's done for you. It won't be me. It'll be that Holy Spirit saying, uh-huh, you thought you could be cool, didn't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, oh, what's that? It's okay, beloved. You can rejoice that, that way and feel feel good. Let, let me stop. Um, he says something else. He says, uh, he says, let your gentleness be made known to all men. Interesting. Your forbearance. Um, being patient with people. Uh, it's interesting because he put that in there in the context because remember they were two women who were not getting along and he was reminding them, listen, you need to handle them gently. I, I know that they're at odds with each other and they got some stuff they're working on but, but you need to handle them, yeah, Gently. Don't clobber them with the word, because d- that's the first thing we do. Maybe start just praying with them. And how can I help you guys work this out? A um, couple things about gentleness I want to share with you. Number one, um, be gentle because it surprises people. There's so much hostility. So much host- people are so angry. Listen, we're divided along racial, social, political, economic lines. Everybody got their corner. And, and it's killing us from within. It really is. Um, so, so here's the thing. Exercise gentleness with people who you know, if you would have caught me yesterday, I'd have something for you. But you mess around and caught me the, the right day. And I'm going to exercise some some gentleness with you because the preacher said, I went to church yesterday, and he said that one thing we need to do is show gentleness, and it surprises people. And you know what? I've learned, and some of you have too, that it really does. (laughs) People kind of expecting you to act one way, and you come out your mouth with, it's okay, we'll talk later. What? Be gentle. It surprises people. Gentleness also has a way of wooing people. It wins people. You try gentleness with some folk that you are at odds with and put your sword down for a minute or the bat, baseball bat, whatever your choice of weapon is, but you, you put that down and we're not doing that. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna win you with gentleness. You know what I've discovered when that happens? People start seeking you out. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're the one who is the peacemaker, and, and and they'd be looking for you. Where's so-and-so? It, 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 can, it can win and woo people. Uh, it, it, people begin to want to share stuff with you you're not even asking them about. They, they just are open book because you've learned to woo and win people with gentleness. And and gentleness also reflects the heart of Christ. They get a portrait of what Jesus looks like when they exercise gentleness. You may be the only Jesus they see reflected in you simply because your gentleness is known. And I love it. It says, because the Lord is at hand. He's the one that helps us become gentle. It says, the text says, he's at hand. He's close by. He helps me to be able to exercise that level of gentleness. And then um, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Notice he says, be anxious for nothing. It is, this, is, this is a tough one. You know why? Because we like to worry. Not, I'm not talking about y'all, but I'm just saying some people like to, to worry. They, they, they worry what? You, you know, you, you fear telling them anything because, child, you know, I can't tell mama that she, she'd be pacing the floor all night. I, I can't tell. Worry. Anxiety. He says, be anxious. He says, stop worrying. And start praying. that's your answer to worry, is prayer. Because worry suggests that my God is not big enough to handle whatever it is that I'm dealing with. So if he is who he says he is, if he created the world, if he's the one who, who spoke the world into existence, then clearly he can help me with whatever my dilemma is. So I'm gonna trust him and get a good night's sleep. Because it makes it so clear that we ought to be anxious for nothing. And then he says, go ahead and start praying. Um, First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 20 says, because they cried out to God during the battle, he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. Because they prayed, God moved. Now, I mean, he's not like a credit card. You just throw up a wish and he responds. No, it doesn't work quite like that. But in this particular case, it's clear that that, that they cried out to God, and God responded. And he made it clear. He said, because they prayed. I don't know about you, but I want a because they prayed testimony. Yeah, I, I, I want somebody to say, he was he 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 was on he was on his deathbed. But because we prayed. His family was falling apart, but but because we prayed. He was in financial ruin, but because we prayed. Oh, you got to see this. Because they prayed. That's the kind of testimony I want. Yes, it, it didn't look like he was going to make it, but because we prayed. Some power in prayer. Prayer still works, and the last thing they did was, um, they they. He says, "What do, he says, make sure that you, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving." I didn't put that one up there, but um, tell God thank you often. Uh, for real, I mean. Learn to say thank you often to God. Before I start asking him for anything, I just want to learn to say thank you. Thank you. Listen, it's getting to the point now where when when I go to the gas pump and I got money in my pocket, I'm thanking God when I pull up to the pump because at least I got money to put in the tank, gas. Um... When I go now to the food market, safe wherever you go, as you drive on the lot and start parking your car, start thanking God that you, number one, got a car, that you go in some place where there's no shortage of food, that you have money to make a purchase. Then you have a house where you can go with a working stove. Come on now. And and you got a refrigerator, and you even know how to cook a little bit. I mean, stop thanking God. I go to the gym now, I thank God that number one, I have a desire to go. Number two, that I got my behind up to go. And then when I got there, I was able to do something. Learn to lavish God with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving precede him moving. And you know, it's amazing, you know, we we get a few coins and been to school a couple days, you know, we begin to think, get a case of the big heads, that we somehow have managed this thing on our own. Don't you know you won one catastrophe away from having nothing? It is only by the grace of God. So develop a posture of thanking him. Just thank him. It, get in the habit of it. And thank him for his faithfulness. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his son. Thank him for salvation. Thank him that your sins are forgiven. Thank him that he loves you unconditionally. Well, I'm about done now. Um, I'm going to leave you alone and and thank him for what Jesus did nearly 2,000 years ago. They took your Lord and my Savior and they walked him through the narrow streets of Jerusalem with that cross on his back, the Via Dolorosa, and then they beat him. Uh, the lictors had a cat of nine tails and they just beat him until they get tired where he was not even recognizable They put him up on that cross. They hung him high and they stretched him wide They put him in that borrowed tomb and he wouldn't need it too long because the Bible says after the third day Jesus Christ your Lord and my Savior Mary's baby got up with all power in his hand and if God can raise a dead Jesus He can still do some things in your life He's not finished with you yet Amen. He's not finished yet. He still has a work yet for you to do because of what he did nearly 2,000 years ago. And listen, if there's one here today who does not know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of your sin, you're in the right place. You're one heartbeat away from eternity. And... Uh, You've got to decide now in the land of the living, I know nothing about no purgatory. It's either you knew him or you didn't. There's no halfway house with him. No, no, you, you're saved or you're lost. You either run into him or front of him. And uh, you, you get to decide while the breath is still beating, in, inhaling and exhaling, whether or not you're going to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is available to you today. Listen, you don't have to try to straighten yourself out. One thing we do know, you can't do it, because if you could, you would have done it a long time ago. So the, the elders are here, and, and they will walk with you through God's plan of salvation if you're lost. Because at the end of the day, Heaven gets happy when one soul is saved. Yeah, yeah, come on. I mean, they get excited in heaven when someone who is lost comes to be part of God's family. And Father, we do love you. We thank you for first loving us. Thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And Lord, I pray for that person here today in the sound of my voice who has heard this message. Lord, I pray that you would trouble them until they rest in thee. Lord, I know that you're able and we pray that you would prick their hearts. They will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your son. In Christ Jesus, we do pray and give thanks. Amen.